Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Today, I'm joined by Paul Gadet, um, co-founder and CEO of Dig, and we've got Jess Gedeke here. She's our new chief revenue officer, um, and this is uh, just really nice to be able to be able to chat to you guys and, and have like a a quick little convo about why we've brought Jess on. I'm really excited to be able to sit down with Paul and Jess to chat all things revenue today um, and chat about the fact that we've made a strategic choice as a business to bring on a chief revenue officer for this sort of next phase of our growth. When you look at a lot of other companies in our space, um, particularly the ones that offer both technology and consulting services. Having this role in place isn't necessarily a given. Um, While you might see a lot of chief revenue officers within SaaS organizations, we wanted to sort of borrow from from the learnings from other SaaS technology platforms and, and really sort of prioritize this function as we continue to grow. So it should be a really fascinating conversation. Jess, over to you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. I'm so happy to be here. So thanks, Megan. Um, so quick background. I've been in market research for about 20 years, which it's crazy to say that. Um, and I'd say that my experience and my passion could probably be summed up by the word growth. And that includes helping clients grow their businesses, helping my own organization grow its business through different commercial strategies and growing people. I care a lot about developing people. Uh, I find it really rewarding. So I joined Dig in July and most Recently, I was with uh, Gut Check, which was acquired by Toluna last year. Uh, prior to that, I was with Afanova, that was acquired by Nielsen Basies, as well as a couple of other businesses. So, um, so growth is my thing, and um, I'd like to think that my professional success, in part, has been driven by the fact that I am a researcher, but with the sales gene. So, I kind of love to nerd out on data and research methodologies, analytics. But I've got this commercial perspective that really is always looking at ways to grow. So that's a little bit about me. Amazing. Well, it's very exciting to welcome you to the team. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Paul. Uh, Do you want to speak a little bit to kind of our growth strategy as a business and why it felt like the right time to bring someone like Jess on board in this role? kind of curious just because uh we were gonna ask you know like on what what maybe attracted you to dig and I'm, I'm assuming it was obviously my charm and my you know being the fact that we're canadian founded and all Definitely. that stuff so um but we'll get into that in a minute I, i'll tell you a bit about our journey from uh where we've kind of come before jess and uh and one of the reasons for us looking at uh, cro as a uh, as a position that we needed within the company um i think i mean if you don't know yet uh dig insights you know, fastest growing company from a market research perspective, many years. I wouldn't say the fastest necessarily, but it's been a really high growth organization since we started in 2010. But over, especially over the last couple of years, um, we went through a, a period last year of bringing on a financial, strategic financial investor called Behringer Capital, and we are looking to even accelerate that growth. So not only have we been growing really, really quickly, but now we're looking to even accelerate even further as we expand our offering more into the U.S. and internet national, not just in Canada. We have offices in Chicago and in London, as well as our home office in, in Toronto. And uh, and to be honest, we've been uh, we've been kind of drinking from the fire hose since we started this organization. So much has kind of come to us. We've, I mean, we pride ourselves on doing amazing work and delivering amazing work to our clients. Um, 
and the fact that they keep coming back to us is, has been really just uh, an amazing just achievement and the fact that we uh, and our people have just been they deliver such amazing work and we get to a stage where you get to a company of our size where we're now 215 people uh, across the organization and you realize that just this whole idea of just sell, do, sell, do, sell, do, sell, do, it's just, it's very difficult to kind of maintain that momentum and bringing somebody on that has a lot more uh, structure in terms of the, uh, the sales process, trying to understand, create new opportunities for the organization, get our name out there in front of clients that may not have heard of us before, uh, helping to kind of craft the message about why we're different, why we we have something of value to offer them versus someone else that they might use are all things that we maybe have inherently done in, as we've grown the company, but we've never really had that structure in place. And so bringing somebody who can actually have that commercial experience, has that sales experience, brings that knowledge in is less Canadian than us because we tend to be very just like, <laughs> you know, we don't really sell, you know, hard. We're just kind of like, you know, very, a lot of apologies and thank yous. Um, so just bring somebody that has experience was kind of the motivation to, to, to think about bringing a C- CRO. And I can tell you a bit of the story about why we, uh, why we chose Jess. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the chat that we had a couple of weeks ago and prep for this podcast, we were talking about, you know, why we brought Jess on board or why you wanted to bring Jess on board. And I think we all landed on the fact that she's just generally pretty cool. Um, she's a nice person. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> but other than that, what was what was it about Jess and her experience and who she is that made her the right fit for this? Well, it was a funny, um, I would say, recruitment process, it's like, as, as in there wasn't really one. Um, I had, uh, I actually started my exploration of the CRO position fairly early on in this year. Um, just really in trying to understand like, what is, what does this position entail for a market research company? What is like, what's the responsibility? How are people approaching it? What technologies are they using in their sales process? How are they structuring sales? Uh, is the CRO even the thing that people are looking for? Or do you need just like a new business development person? Like, so I actually talked to a number of different people, CROs and other organizations, as well as advisors and different companies, um, C-level people and other organizations who are just, you know, giving me some perspective as to what this, the, the value that a CRO can bring. And during that process, I, you know, I had heard Jess's name a couple times. I had known about Gut Check. Um, obviously, I had um, some experience at meeting Rob, who's the former CEO of uh, Gut Check. And so I, I had heard of Jess, and then she was one of the people that I wanted to kind of get in front of and just reach out and say, you know, I'd love to hear more about from your perspective, uh, especially being a senior female figure within the, within the industry and uh, such a play out important role within an organization. Um, that was kind of an important thing for us being a male founded organization is bring someone, a female into that position. I wanted to get her perspective on, you know, some of the challenges, some of the things that we'll look out for in a candidate. So who, you know, what are the, some of the, the struggles and some of the successes I should be looking for as I start interviewing uh, some people. And then it turns out that she was kind of the perfect candidate for that job. So eventually it turned into a, this is amazing. Um, would you be interested in, in chatting more about this? Uh, and that kind of conversations kind of naturally happened. And I think, I, you know, as you know, as soon as you meet Jess, the, you know, like-minded personality, we have, you know, very similar business sense strategy wise. I think we're very aligned and it was just a perfect fit. So I'm glad that we were able to continue that conversation and uh, finally be able to attract her to our company. 
Yeah, I remember that time, Paul, we'd probably been talking for a few months and I said, so am I interviewing? It was kind of like, you know, you're like hanging out with your your best friend for a while and, and then you're like, wait, are we like dating? Like that's how it felt right after a few months. So, um, but uh, you're was, both married with kids. Cool. You're like, are we dating? I, I, I play it slow. I play it slow. Was it courtship? And next thing you know, you're was married with three yeah, kids. You know, like these, yeah, it just happens this way. <laughs> But what's important about that, I think, is that, I don't know, I wasn't interviewing. So I really was just bringing, you know, 100% my authentic self and my experience and my advice and my guidance and my, you know, potential watchouts. It was just, it was a great way to, I think, kick things off in a really authentic way. And that was also what attracted me to DIG is just the people that I started meeting. Um, I was just inspired by each of them for, for very different reasons, right? But, uh, but no, that courtship, I think, was important. Yeah. And I mean, Jess, I know you just mentioned the people that you met um, and the fact that it was such an organic meeting and you guys were like minded. But what else made you excited to join the company? Yeah. Well, I guess a couple more words on the people, because culture is really important to me. And when I use the word culture, I really mean like the vibe. So how does it feel to work for that organization? How does it feel to be in meetings and collaborate and work on projects? How do people support each other? How do they give feedback? Like that to me is the vibe. And I definitely got a great feel for that vibe as part of meeting each of the founders in advance of joining. And it was just really important to me. But the other part to that, it, to the people is just the crazy smart people at dig um, you know I've seen no fewer than 12 things that I would consider to be actual innovations since joining a couple of months ago it's just incredible whether that's stuff that we're doing with AI whether it's looking at how to make internal processes more efficient um, or truly cutting-edge technological developments I mean you can only achieve those things with crazy smart people so I just can't say enough about that and I think in the first couple of months I just have started, I already feel like I'm part of the family and that is really important to me. So, so that's a big deal. But in addition to the people, you know, the biggest reason I chose to join DIG is the market opportunity. You know, as Paul mentioned, the company has grown to this point in a seller doer model. And so the thought of delivering great work that's valued by clients, those clients continue to work with us and introduce us and take us with them when they move to different companies. The thought of adding just a tiny bit of gasoline to that engine that exists is just hugely motivating, right? So um, so really excited about that. And I, I also kind of realized about myself that I'm at my best when I'm helping build something. And DIG is an incredible foundation, but it's how do we take it to the next level? And so, you know, the founders and the company being open to someone like me with my experience and my background, you know, helping lead that next chapter. It was just a no brainer for, for me to join DIG once I learned all those things. Amazing. I mean, I think we've, we've touched on this several times, this idea of um, a seller doer model and how it's typical within our industry. I guess I'm just curious, just why is that the case? Like, why is that seller doer, doer model so typical? And I guess when we look forwards, do you think that that makes sense as the industry is evolving and as the company evolves? Yeah, I think it is pretty typical, especially with the larger established firms to have a seller doer model. Why is it typical? Probably because a lot of those companies just haven't modernized. Like they haven't thought of ways to introduce, you know, a sophisticated sales function that can be highly collaborative and partner with the delivery teams because it is a tough thing to do. Um, so there's a few things that, that are really important about that. 
when you're in a seller doer model, it is impossible to do both of those jobs to full capacity with the same human being. It's just impossible. When you're really focused on designing great research, executing it, delivering it, you know, providing consultative recommendations to your client, what the heck time do you have to look up and say, now, how else can I help this client grow? It's just really, really hard to do both of those things at the same time. Um, and I do think that for companies that have both research technology and services like DIG, it does require an evolved approach to selling because you need people that can help look at what are those thoughtful combinations of services and tech that are going to add the most value to the client, right? Where can we sort of lean into one versus the other throughout different initiatives to deliver great growth opportunities for our own clients. So I think that DIG is in a very unique place that has both the technology and the services and the people to do that in a pretty revolutionary way. Um, And that will be the biggest shift though, moving from a seller doer model to one that has a more established sales function. That's what I signed up to do. And I think we, I mean, we had dabbled and kind of started doing that with our technology side of uh, of our offering, like the software side, but it felt it still has that disjointed kind of approach where we have, you know, salespeople who are dedicated to selling our software and getting in the hands of our clients and then still on a consulting basis, on a project basis, having the client service person be that seller and that doer. And it, it, you really do need to think about our total solutions across the organization. What is it that we can totally offer our, our clients uh, a holistic view of it and then have actual salespeople go to those clients and provide those offerings and, and bring in obviously the subject matter experts into those conversations, but be able to lead those conversations, identify those opportunities, and I get it further down the path and, and versus the amount of time that actually takes for our client service people to do that on their own. I think it was a, is a huge reason why we, we needed to move to that, that type of model. I think that a lot of people consider, you know, chief revenue officer, when they think about revenue, sort of sales is front of mind. That's exactly where your brain goes. You're thinking about net new business um, and how you can continue to scale, which is absolutely a huge part of what you're doing here, Jess. But I think the other piece, um, sort of what a lot of people maybe don't understand is that being a CRO or within sort of a revenue function doesn't necessarily just mean that net new revenue piece. Um, and I've had some really great conversations with you around sort of how you define the revenue function. So um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what leading a revenue function sort of means to you and, and what are the, the sort of pieces that you hope to be able to influence? Yes, definitely. So my personal view of this is that the CRO is accountable for meeting top line financial targets, including all revenue streams. So yes, that is, you know, targeting net new clients and and earning their business. It's also expanding within existing clients and earning new opportunities with new divisions, new stakeholders, introducing new parts of our product portfolio that would be valuable, as well as earning renewal for, for our tech platform. So all of those are revenue streams. I believe those all should funnel up from an accountability standpoint to a CRO um, because I care about them equally, right? But I wake up every day thinking about how can I maximize top line? And as an executive, I'm also very concerned and, and, you know, mindful of how we can manage bottom line, right? The profitability of the business. But um, I'd like to have a, a, a bigger top line to help drive that conversation and then deal with the bottom line. But what you said, Megan, is really important to me too, because it's not just about selling. It's about all the activities that it takes 
takes in order to sell and to earn client business. And a big part of that is the brand building activities that things like this podcast, like the really cool research reports that we do and share with clients. All of that is meant to uh, to initiate a conversation and to provide value to clients so that we can you know, get the opportunity to show them how we can help them do better with their business. So um, I'm really lucky that I get to be involved in all sorts of, of activities like that. It's part of where I, I get a lot of my joy. So thank you for letting me into that team, Megan, and, and collaborating. Um, but one other misconception I think about CROs is that they're only for SaaS businesses. You know, I think a lot of firms, particularly the bigger guys, they're just missing an opportunity when they don't borrow some of the thinking of selling in a SaaS world, but applying it to this services plus tech world that our industry is in is going to continue to be in. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to add, like in terms of why I think it's so important to have you specifically, Jess, on this in this role is that the strategy that you bring, listening to clients, understanding the market, understand the dynamics of the industry and where it's heading, knowing us, you know, having that outside perspective now of looking in at us and saying, you know, this is a lot of, there's a lot of things within the organization that could be packaged up and sold in a way to clients that meets a specific need that you guys aren't even thinking about. And I think that kind of insight brings a lot of value to the organization because we just, we have done what we do and we listen to clients and we tailor our, our stuff and we, you know, create and we innovate and we adapt. Um, but it's, it's not as, it's not as packaged up and sold in a way that I think really kind of pinpoints in a specific need for clients. And I think that's the the value that having somebody in your position, speaking to clients, understand where the market's going and bringing, bringing that strategy to our, to our offering really will play an important role. I mean, that very nicely dovetails into a question around how you kind of make all of this happen, because of course this is incredibly exciting, but it's a big change for the company to sort of bring someone bring someone in to flesh out this revenue function, figure out how it integrates with um, sort of the existing business and how it it continues to help. So, Paul, from your perspective, how do you and and your co-founders go about change management around this? How do you make sure that everyone's on board and I think probably most importantly understands the vision for the revenue function. Yeah, this is, I mean, I think with any type of, when you're going into this position, there's a lot uh, of, you know, communicating the fact that we bring somebody into a new role and what that might mean, the implications of it. It's a lot of communication. So it's not just communication with the broader team. You really have to start with the, with the senior team as well, because we are changing what we're doing. And we're also bringing another person in, in a senior role to be an influence on the organization. So that already has a lot of impact. And I think one of the things we identified early on was that somebody is going to be in this role. We're going to have a female in this position. We have, we want to have a senior voice at the table. We need somebody with that expertise and that perspective. And so that was even just the first criteria even going into the search was just to make sure that we've, you know, brought somebody in with that perspective that kind of just made it a lot more um, indicative of what the organization is in general and, and representative of what the organization is. So being able to do that. And then I think, you know, the communication aspect of it is really around helping uh, our team understand that this role is not to just go and sell so that they have to do more. The idea is to how can we support them on the things that we're doing? How can we ensure that the, our clients, which they do, but how do we how we ensure that they they see the value in what we're providing and we're doing things in, in the right way, whether it's pricing things or deli- our deliverables or whatever it is we're offering our clients is done in a way that our teams can go out and sell what needs to be sold 
and then our, our, our client service teams can deliver against those with the exceptional work that they do without feeling the need that they have to go and sell and then have to try to do and go and sell and have to try to do. And I have to tell you, like, when I look at our growth objectives, you know, not only have we grown it a lot and it's been to on the on the backs of the people in this organization who've really carried the weight of that growth, but we look at also what we want to do in the future and our growth objectives. I no way do we want to say and add that stress as, uh, to the rest of the team to say, by the way, everyone here, you're the, you're the ones responsible for going and selling and making sure we can even hit our objectives. There's nobody in the organization, uh, there wasn't anybody in the organization who was fully accountable for revenue. And that becomes uh, an issue when you have an organization like this and the seller, seller doer model, because then who's waking up thinking about that every single day? Who can you actually get, then go to? So it actually became when we actually talked to our team about this is the role we're bringing on. This is the reasons why we're doing it. There's then just to, you know, to her credit, had a lot of um, discussions with each individual in that client service role and in the sales teams to talk about what the, the importance of this role. It gave, I think, a lot of um, assurances to those uh, individuals who felt, you know what, this person is here to actually help me and help me do a better job because I can focus on the work I'm doing. You're giving me guidance also on how I can actually sell into my client and give them what more of what I what I do. And you're also helping to identify new opportunities that then help me actually service the client in a better way. So lots of communication, but I think uh, in essence, it's really around the idea of how do we help help you in your in your job as opposed to make it feel like you have to do more. I really like that because it's basically allowing people to focus on what they really love to do. Um, so, you know, having the client services team being able to really focus on actually delivering projects that, that they love um, or that their clients will love rather. Um, but yeah, I think that the way that you position that is it, it makes so much sense to me. Well, before you get there, I think our team, I mean, the good thing about our team is that they are true consultants, right? They do want to actually consult on a client's work. They want to help solve problems. And I I mean, the four of us started out that, the company that way. We were consultants. We were, you know, strategizing with our clients. We were selling in something, a solution, but then we were basically really proud of that, what we sold in because we were able to deliver against that. And so that doesn't really change. We really want our clients, our, our, our client service people to feel invested in the st- stuff that we're selling in and they're doing and have a hand in actually selling it in too. Um, and in, in order to do that, we really need somebody in a, in a function within the organization identifying opportunities for them to actually you know, build and craft around and sell in so that they can actually do amazing work. No, I think it's a, it's a great point. Like it's, it's not to say that they won't still have that consultant consulting relationship with the client and they just have more time to sort of invest in, in that. Um, when we think about what we've done as a company or what the senior, the senior team has done and sort of the change management around bringing in, um, a chief revenue officer, there's also things to consider for, for you, Jess, around, um, what, what does it mean to sort of do this in a meaningful and sort of conscientious way? What are some of the most sort of important internal considerations that you're making, Jess, um, as you build out your role and you look at evolving the commercial organization? The first one I wouldn't say is not necessarily internal, but it's kind of the core ethos, which is always focus on what's best for the client. I think that when you do that, you tend to do the right things and go in the right direction. So anything I introduce should not you know, disrupt or interfere in the many, many great things that are already working for DIG and for our clients, right? So that's kind of number one. And I think that Paul really you know, explained this very well, but um, there is an opportunity, I think, for the 
sales function to relieve some of the pressure and the administrative burden and some of the, you know, um, pressure to hit these numbers that for our consultants right now, because that it's really, really hard to shoulder that pressure and do, do great work. And so, so there's that opportunity, but I think there's a natural, maybe it's trepidation, maybe some skepticism, like, Hey, who is this person? Who is this girl coming in? Like, she's not Canadian. No, I'm just kidding. That's not a big deal, but you know, what is she doing? Is she going to be inauthentic to my clients? Is she going to be a salesperson? And hopefully I'll continue to demonstrate to people that, that no, like the, the way that I am, the people that I, I continue to develop and will hire in, they're going to be very, very trusted advisors to our consultants, right? They're going to be this researcher with the sales sales gene. It's so important because I have the deepest respect for that discipline. Like I grew up as a research analyst and director and all that and had to shoulder that intense pressure of delivering flawless research. I have so much respect for what that team does. And so anything that we introduce is in the spirit of, again, what's best for the client and relieving and sort of, you know, right-sizing who does what within the process. And nothing matters more than the people at DIG. Um, It is a tremendous group of people that have built the company. Company, uh, and gotten it to where it is today. And I'm a leader who is just very human centric. I bring my authentic self every day. Megan, you probably get this more than anybody. Like I, I really bring it to you. Right. Um, and so I really care about the people who are here and want everyone to be part of this success. And I think that, you know, having a team that's genuinely trusted by their colleagues is just so important. I, I will say, Jess, when we first started uh, having the conversations, there was many people telling me don't hire CRO and you know just it's not the right time for you and one of the things that made me realize it was the right time and that you were the right person was the fact that you had been the consultant before you had lived in our consultant shoes you understood that that transitional period of the seller doer model into more of a sales versus doer and you you actually had and what you said to me it made uh, I think again just brought a lot of um just validation of the fact that this was the, the right uh, position for you is that you had the most respect for those client service teams who deliver great work. And um, I think that just provided a lot of assurances for me that we made the right decision. This is cathartic for me. Thanks for telling me all this stuff. It's making me feel good. <laughs> That's the clip we'll be using. <laughs> all right. We're, we're going to have to wrap it up shortly, but I do have one final question for you. So where you're at now, um, in terms of your two months in, what kind of keeps you up at night? Yeah, it's funny because in prior, you know, work lives, uh, there are all sorts of things that were keeping me up at night, probably for the wrong reasons, but here, and I know I'm still in the honeymoon phase, but here, what keeps me up at night is this just insane urgency to put into place all the things that I know can have a positive impact. Right. And like, I can't do it all overnight and that's stressing me out because I'm an impatient person by, by nature. But when you're given an opportunity like this, it's just like, I have a, an LFG, let's go. You can put the F in the middle there type of energy around this. And so that's what keeps me up at night. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting to all the things that I know will have a big impact. So I have to be pragmatic about what I can do in what time periods. And, um, but it, what keeps me up is just honestly the excitement of what is to come. And I, I mean it, that's like, that's legit, genuine. Yeah. And like, it's, le- it's less flip and go, right? I think it's the flipping. I think the, uh, <laughs> 
oh, oh okay well that's the canadian version i i think the <laughs> yeah the, the thing to keep in mind uh is that we we again this our company has been growing like crazy before we had a zero so we're this is like the the to think about where we could go now that we have a, more some more structure in place is is hugely exciting for us in our organization it obviously gives us a lot of like who okay let's get ready so this is why i think it's so important to, and to have just you know the fact that she's stressed out about getting these things in place for sure because we it's basically we need to lay down the foundation to get ready because we are going to really expand even more so and looking forward to it paul anything keeping you up at night or same same as jess yeah everything keeps me up at night it's uh i think you know i think every, for those who may not have uh, had a you know financial partner before uh that's a whole new relationship brings a whole new level of learning and uh and responsibility so that obviously is it's just the fact that I'm learning about that it keeps me up at night. It takes a lot of a lot of time, and that also then translates to thinking about what our growth objectives are, or where we, you know, now we wanted certain KPIs with the organization, some structure in place so that we actually are making right decisions. And we have 200 and something people, and we're continuing to grow. That's a lot of people to be responsible for. So all of those things keeps me up at night. And I think that's why I need to bring make sure that we have the right people in the right positions to help me and my partners grow the business. We know we need to grow and be responsible for the people here at dig because they're our most important asset. And so bringing someone like Jess to help us and provide some assurances on some of those objectives, I think is just uh, the thing that will help me sleep at night. And before I go, Jess, anything people should be on the lookout for um, anything, anything coming up? Are we going to be seeing more of you anywhere? Well, yes. Thank you for asking. Yeah, um, I'm super excited to be building upon the tremendous work that you and the team have done with this podcast, Dig In. And so listeners will be hearing more from me in that capacity moving forward. So for season two, we're taking a bit of a different approach on leveraging Dig's expertise and passion for all things innovation. So we're going to be interviewing uh, really impressive and exciting brand insights, innovation leaders, and we want to hear their stories. Right. We want to hear the story behind the story of some of the most exciting product launches, campaigns, marketing ideas. Um, so we really hope that Dig In becomes the podcast for brand professionals who crave innovation inspiration. And I'm very excited to be a part of it. I can't wait. I will talk to both of you soon. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights, and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.